comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. And this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is furiously racing back to be here with us. Out Now is a film podcast with Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. However, every now and then we like to discuss... Uh, we're going to have some kind of special bonus episode, whether it be one of our fun commentaries or something else. This is our fun commentary for the month. Um, this week, this, uh, you know, this, this whole month, I've seen a lot of time travel stuff between Project Almanac, which many of us love dearly, that's not true. Um, <laughs> Predestination, which we just talked about on our podcast. Hot Tub Time Machine 2, which nobody loved at all, and thankfully so. And even the SpongeBob movie. There's been a lot of time travel happening in uh, recent media. And I figured with the upcoming Terminator Genesis arriving, why not talk about the Terminator? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the first Terminator from 1984, James Cameron's Terminator. And then later on, uh, some a couple months from now, maybe towards closer to when Gen- Genesis comes out. That's a fun title. We're going to talk about Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. Basically because they're, they're the short movies and the watchable ones. T2 aside, because T2's great. But that's a long movie. And I don't know if we have that much strength to do a commentary for that long. Um, <laughs> all that intro aside, let's get to our guests that are joining me for this commentary episode for The Terminator. We have from Naptown Nerd and Why So Blue... Sent back from 1984 to kill me, it's Brandon Peters. Jai Courtney style. <laughs> <laughs> and from Forbes, sent back from 1991 to kill me, it's Scott Mendelson. Hi, how you doing? You guys good? I'm good. Oh, great. Great. All right. Uh, not much to say beforehand here. We're just going to get things started. As always, uh, people that are following along with our commentary, as in they're actually watching the film while listening to us talk about it. Good on you, for one thing, because that's fun. And um, we have it currently paused. Um, I guess for the, there, there's a number of versions of this. This is one of the movies that has a lot of versions on DVD and Blu-ray available. So um, and VHS for you know you diehards out there. And I guess Laserdisc to go even further back, and probably a Betamax. Um, there's a <laughs> the we out we eat the, the three of us have it paused currently at the there's an Orion label at the beginning of the film, and we have there's an O that assembles out of the stars that make up the Orion constellation. And once that O flashes, that's where we currently have it paused. So anyone that's following oh, along, get to that. Like st- Sam Worthington. Yes, like Sam Worthington. <laughs> 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 Thank you. Thank you for that. So anyone that wants to pause it, that's where we have it paused, on the, the new remastered Blu-ray, which is totally worth a purchase because it looks better than ever on this format. Um, that will be 27 seconds in. DVD, I don't know, because the labels on MGM are different and whatnot. 22. Oh, yeah. 22. Okay, thank you, Scott. Um, and for piracy people, shame on you. This is a cheap Blu-ray. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I think this. I think this Blu-ray I got actually came up a free ticket to RoboCop. So cl- clearly that went well for all of us. <laughs> and, uh, At what cost? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So all that in mind, anyone that's not watching the movie, just you know, just listen to all this this nonsense talk before we get to it. Uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna count it down from three, and on the sound of go, we're all gonna press play, and then we're gonna talk about the Terminator. So here we go. Three, two. One, go. So, right. um, 
we love our IMDb trivia facts. Yes, as as proven by a running gag here. <laughs> I have possibly I have possibly the best one since the the Tokyo Drift gag. Okay. Oh. All right. Are you guys ready for this mind blowing piece of trivia? Here it comes. This is a perfect opener for this movie. The Terminator is not just a sci fi action film, but it is also a dark horror film. <laughs> so I'm glad someone chimed in with that. How many people found that interesting? That's the question I have. One of one of four people found this interesting. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So for you guys who go to trivia nights and stuff, be ready. If they describe a movie like that, you know it's the Terminator. Actually, you know I'm also on the the trivia page. Apparently, Tom Selleck was rumored to be cast as the Terminator, All right, but I had to I'll, turn I'll it down this. because of yes. It, 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 same reason as Indiana Jones, um, but yeah, I, I scrolled through there. There's a ton, like every working actor at the time that was going to be a name or was a name is listed as. Oh, he's going to be the Terminator. And let's, he's, get, but, let's get to the, the most famous one though. I mean, Tom Selleck's one thing. Okay, but but, but we have O.J. Simpson is <laughs> commonly Simpson, known. Yes. Yes, um, he was the he one was, that very much was in consideration for the Terminator, but producers feared he was too nice. <laughs> but the part, the part was written for Lance Henriksen. Yeah. Yes. Cameron Ro- and those are the only, aside from Arnold, the only two like really confirmed names that were that were that you'd hear on like bonus features, Cameron interviews, stuff like that for the part. And what was the reason behind Lance so, Henriksen not to? Was it because he's just not big enough, or like they, not the kind of image he, they wanted? I mean, there's production, there's, like, there's uh, pre-production, like, designs, storyboards and stuff featuring Lance Henriksen. He wanted the Terminator to look like just An you know, any guy, other right? guy just like Kyle Reese. But when he had Arnold Schwarzenegger come in to read for Kyle Reese, it, he just, like, totally changed his idea of what the film should be. Mm-hmm. And he convinced Arnold, and Arnold kind of wanted to be the Terminator as well, and they both didn't want to, like, Arnold didn't want to speak out of turn, and... And Cameron was just like, oh, this would be crazy. Because Arnold was a hero at the time. He, yeah. I mean, basically, it was this was his first movie where he'd be wearing like clothes in the main role. Yeah, um, yeah. After, after Conan and yeah. the, the immortal Hercules goes to New York. Right. Um, but so, he, you know, Cameron decided to go to Arnold first to be like, you know, I was kind of in, in Arnold was like, yeah, I was thinking that too. So they pushed that and it went through and also sarah connor if you look on that page you'll have every actress yeah possible but the Julia only louise dreyfus and gina davis yes the only confirmed one is uh lisa langlois who mm-hmm. you probably are like like who but she was in um a couple horror movies like deadly eyes happy birthday to me a lot of canadian films she actually got the, she was the who the studio wanted for the part and then like and camera was all linda hamilton because it's one of two women that he would, you know, leave a wife for. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> Hamilton, she, she like, broke her leg or something, and Lange Wall was going to actually replace her, and Cameron decided, nope, we're holding out till Linda Hamilton comes back. So and, we, and go on, yeah. That's the only, like, confirmed, confirmed person. So we talked entirely over the intro to this movie, which yeah. is great. I mean, this is, so this is a, this is a, this is, like, this was an independent movie. I mean, we should put that in, in the perspective here. This was a, mm-hmm. this is a movie that Cameron, you know, he developed with the, with uh, what Galen heard. And, um, you know, it was, you know, a vision that he had in his mind. But it's not one that, you know, studios were like, give, give let's give him all the money. This is something that he really put together on a kind of independent level. Um, Six million bucks. Yeah. Which, yeah. is, which is not much. I mean, Star Wars, Star Wars was 11. I mean, yeah. So, um, yeah. And it is all on screen. Yeah, I agree. 
And um, so you get, you know, this opening segment that has the an apocalyptic future. And we're not, you know, we don't have the luxury of Australia, like the Mad Max films, to really show a barren wasteland. So you had to, you had to work with what he had, and he did a really good job. You get to you see these giant machines. You see skulls. I mean, you see just a great setup for this world that we're never going to go to until a couple of, never go to for an extended period of time until the fourth film in the series. But it Which gives I always you, felt was a strength. Yes, I in agree. In films that you don't need to see too much. You always sure. want to leave some to imagination. But it leaves a perfect stamp on what your what you, here's Arnold's buttocks. <laughs> uh, on TV. And um, there's more of Arnold in the next scene, depending on the clarity of your Blu-ray. But um, the um, <laughs> and here's Bill Paxton. But yeah, I mean, you you get the, the first shot of the film really establishes the entire future world that we'd come right. to know in the Terminator franchise, which is impressive for a you know a low budget independent film. If two of these three punks would actually have pretty good careers. That's a lot of art. Ryan Thompson and uh, Bill Paxton. Mm-hmm. Is that registered in 1080 penis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Forbes, Forbes, Forbes writer Scott Middleton, everybody. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is the, uh, I believe this is the first instance of uh, Bill Paxton's um, uh, legacy here where he gets killed <laughs> by a Terminator and then will be killed by an alien and then killed by a Predator. One of yes. the only people that has that credit. I think he's the only person that I, I can't. Uh, Lance really... Hendrickson is the other person oh, that has that. Oh, fair enough. Of course, Terminator, Alien, and a Predator. Yep. But he wasn't really killed in Alien. He was uh, he was put together, back together in Alien 3. I mean, it's still, I mean, it's hard. He's a robot. So, yeah, he can't be killed at all because he's a robot. <laughs> so, he was certainly deactivated for a time. So He was terminated, <laughs> put it that way. So, so, James Cameron, this was like his his baby like no one was telling him what to do with this movie yeah, this like, is no piranha 2 somewhere else but no up to this point he had what like yeah piranha 2 he did like as we discussed before map paintings on escape from new york mm-hmm. and uh he Which i think we mentioned in a previous oh, commentary actually for escape from new yes york. uh he wrote uh rambo 2 with stallone future commentary <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe we'll do the rambo trilogy Cameron, the early years Sorry, quadrilogy commentaries yeah um, but yeah, he was, and he was at the time, like he was supposed, they were supposed to do Terminator earlier, but once word got out that Arnold was going to do this, like there was an option, a studio had to do the second Conan movie and they, they swept it up so he couldn't use him, but he decided to hold out mm-hmm. and he was, um, living, he was, some say he was living out his car, but I do know he was living off of like Big Macs. Like his mom gave him a stack of like buy one, get one free Big Mac coupons and he like get two of them and eat like half of one for lunch half one for dinner and then have the other one for the next day and he was dead basically living off that while doing pre-production for terminator so here's the other establishments we get we already had arnold who has already killed somebody a couple people and it's established that he's you know a dominant force now we have michael bean um who future superstar michael bean future superstar michael (laughs) bean who, yeah, never really. He, he's he's the, he's the Michael Bay or the Michael Bay. He's the Michael Keaton of um, action stars that never were. Um, that should have been more. But what uh, else did Michael Keaton try to do action wise? No, I mean in terms of kind of an actor that you that certainly had. I'd say Michael Michael Keaton's on a much higher status than yeah, Michael I, Bean would be. But I, I mean, Michael Bean didn't make multiplicity. Yeah. Well, Michael <laughs> Bean was kind of forced on us, though. You know. That's true. Like they do with a lot of people then, but I guess we weren't paying attention like that now. But like, he could be the original generic white guy. Yeah, but I, 
I mean, but he's good in this movie. He's, he's, he's good. In, I mean, he's good in most things that he's involved yeah. in. I don't, I don't tend to see bad Michael Bean perform. I mean, I, yeah. I like him as Cameron's guy. I mean, he was presumably going to be Spider-Man in the Cameron Spider-Man movie, which would have been interesting. Yeah, but he, I mean, the Abyss and Aliens. I mean, he's not the. He doesn't, he's not. He's not. The, he's not um, Hudson, but he, you know, his Hicks right. is still memorable well, no, in his, his own way. Still good. Yeah. Um, no, he's he's uh, honestly I, like I just I just said that about him, but he's one of the reasons that I I rate this movie over the second one is I really like the character of Kyle Reese and his performances, mm-hmm. pretty genuine and pretty awesome. There's there's a there's a bit of like a uh, little bit of an adolescent juvenile attitude to him that kind of seeps through, and he's someone who's been pretty much raised in that future, so he doesn't have like you know the smarts in education is like someone else would i love a a sense of childlike wonder to him i love all the camera work done in this like chase here between him and the cops of just following him around and it's very it's i mean it cameron's good at this and i mean this is you know the the earliest version of this and it shows that he's good from the get-go that he's good at this kind of thing well it's it's, it's a clear establishment of geography and time and place and consequence the kind of things that, you know, arguably we should take for granted in an action scene, but, you know, we don't. Nowadays it's a lost art. It's just, well, yeah. It's like, well, it's like, look at, I mean, Scott, look at Taken 3. Look at a scene of, <laughs> of, of Liam Neeson running down an alleyway. There are so many cuts. It's very clear that Liam Neeson's not sprinting. There's so many. There's so much other stuff going on that does not need to be there, as opposed to a scene like this, where you you follow a character clearly. You see that he's panicked. You see that he's actually running around up and down escalators and jumping over things. And it doesn't require multiple cuts. It requires you know a steady cam. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, I will say that if. You know, I, I like this movie a lot. Um, so I don't want to say that you know it's not one of my favorites or anything like that. But if ever there was a movie I could watch with total amnesia about the franchise, it would probably be this one. Because I can't imagine how fascinating the first 30, 20, 30 minutes of this movie are if you're, you know, 1984, you walk in the theater and you don't actually know what's going on. I mean, I imagine most of us growing up, you know, had a pretty good idea of what was going on the first time we saw a Terminator movie. Maybe because we saw part two first, because it was a much more mainstream, hyped-up picture, and then we went back and watched the first one after the fact, or what have you. But uh, I would imagine people of our generation, there's no mystery with this film, because you are you know you're watching the Terminator. You know you look at the back of the VHS box, you know the plot of the film. For sure. And I am yeah. a person that saw the, the second one first, but still have I still love yeah. this movie. Yeah, I saw the I saw this one. I, I saw this one first. I didn't see it right away. I saw it like my there was word about the second one getting made and, and like my parents rented it and were like, Oh well we should see the first one now. So But it but it is a good point, Scott, where yes, the movie does not communicate to you I mean, it gives you some pretty big hints in terms of this giant future set piece that we have no idea what that is. Well, it's all visual too. It's all yes, it is all visual. They're not tie and the, there's you know, there's a there's some scroll there's a uh a film, you know, there's a there's a, a write up at the beginning of what's you know the future and what it is to an extent, but without being overly explicit. But yeah, I mean, you see characters appear out of lightning and running around, confused and not knowing what to do. Like it's you, it, I mean, we don't get to until until what Kyle Reese, you know, has a big exposition dump thirty minutes into the movie <laughs> in terms of like actually getting some idea of what's going on. Yeah. And I mean, what- what I like about this movie a lot too is like all this this huge event is just happening behind curtains. Like like nobody it's not like on a like 
it's not Independence Day. Even even yeah. yes. even even the police are somewhat you know completely in the dark and not a factor. There's no like big military, and that even the second one, as big as that movie is, is still sort of a behind the curtains type movie. It escalates a little bit, but that's what's kind of cool about the first three movies is they're all like you know they're not just this. I mean, the Terminator's not going to like destroy Los Angeles. Yeah, they're all character focused yeah. chase movies. Yes. They each, have, like, they each have their own different elements. This movie is, you know, as you mentioned earlier, it is it is a horror film, essentially. It just happens to have a sci-fi twist. The second movie is a, you know, a guns blazing action film that has, again, a sci-fi twist. And the third movie kind of is an amalgamation of those two, less on the horror side, and just more of kind of repeating the same. And then the third movie, or the fourth movie is... The third it one is formula. what it is. So that's, bad, that's pretty much the third one is a formula, yes, but it's you know it's we'll get to that I guess when we get to the commentary for that movie. But it's it's better than it needs to be. No, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll spread some love on that one. It, yeah, then the fourth movie is like, hey, we we did this. <laughs> so, um, it's what you guys wanted, right? Oh, um, <laughs> but is that a scoop of ice cream? <laughs> it's like a scoop of sherbet. Yeah, yeah, sherbet. Yeah. Oh, the thing about this one too is as prestigious, quote unquote, that the franchise is. This is like a low-level B movie. Yeah, like like it's like cheap. It's it's every bit the Escape from New York and Imitator like level. What's his name? It's uh, Dick Miller. Dick Miller. Dick Miller. Right? I love him. He's in yeah. all no, it's, it's very much a grindhouse B picture, and I had actually heard of it growing up just because it was one of those movies that you'd catch on HBO. And it was a hit. It did like $40 million on a $6 million budget, so it wasn't yeah. a flop or anything. And it, had, but, you know, it created iconic role for, yeah. Termin- for Schwarzenegger yeah. and, line, and dialogue and whatever. It, it was a big cultural you know, yeah. thing. And the second one even more so. Oh, the second one was... was Phenomenon level. Yeah, it was the, the second one, by the time it was done worldwide, was the third biggest movie of all time. And it, which is... For being again, it was the most was it the most expensive movie at that time? Yes, yes. I mean, it's the thing that Cameron has proven to be very good at making the most expensive movie ever and getting more than enough yes. on return. Everybody calling, everybody calling for his head when it happens, and then the movie and, just like and then does it's like well you see, I did, like yeah. It's like you see, guys, people not only liked it, they liked it a lot, <laughs> and they saw it many times, and they saw it multiple times, and they told their friends, and they all came. Also, I revolutionized cinema in some way. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, um, I mean that's it's ridiculous that he's done it three times. That's and amazing, I, and I love that everybody's like, "Oh, he's so arrogant!" And of course he is. Who wouldn't be arrogant? <laughs> well, you know, what's funny? his last two films made four and a half billion dollars. Terminator Two was a, a film that, like, you know, it was so big and that kids way underage were getting to see it because it was that big of a phenomenon yes. that parents weren't caring. Like, I mean, I remember just like kids wearing like the the shirts and everything, and everybody saw the movie. Yeah, but I, at that age, I was not generally allowed to see R-rated pictures, and my parents eventually came because it was such a big deal. Um, and then after I'd seen that, I was allowed to see the first one as well. Meanwhile, I'm, here's some foreshadowing. Meanwhile, I'm pretty sure that Terminator 2 was probably the first R-rated movie I had seen, and it's never really been an issue in terms of uh, some, some some certain movies. I mean, it's... I've never been too restricted from the kinds of movies I see in terms of, especially, you know, this kind of, where it's basically uh, not. Cop was my first R. It's called Wanda. I think it was true. I mean, I'm, I'm younger than you guys by a little yeah. bit. Once so I, I once I got Die Hard, once I got Die Hard through my sister, like I went to a friend's house, saw Die Hard, loved the heck out of it. And, uh, told my parents about it and uh they were like oh well, well we rented Die Hard 2 the next night and 
<laughs> just it was I was on the action kick from there, and R just wasn't really a problem. Here's a pretty good hint that Arnold's not the greatest of characters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe he was just killing some punks before, but now he just like shot an innocent woman in daytime. So. Yeah. Um. And Sarah Connor is what retroactively nineteen in 19, this movie because yes, they wrote. I think he changed it in the script to mid twenties for this movie, but retracts it in the next. Yeah, which is just based off, I guess, Linda Hamilton's you know look. Yeah. There is some hair, by the way, all over the place. And she boy, has some of the I, best 80s woman hair. And she has, I mean, she has to have one of the best, you know, transformations from film to film in terms of from this movie to the next movie. It's Oh, pretty, yeah. It's pretty incredible. And then, of course, for an obvious, you know, they are, you know, establishing that they are, you know, one is superior to the other. You have him, you know, struggling to, to steal a car. Well, of course, for Schwarzenegger, it came, came very easily to him. Um, I mean, you get the idea immediately that, you know, Schwarzenegger is a superior version of whatever the hell he is, mm-hmm. without obviously coming out and saying that, you know, he's a robot, uh, or a cyborg, whatever you want to call him. Um, and then I think you're about to have another flashback, right? Yeah, yeah. we have it right here, yeah. It's a... Or a dream of some kind. I feel, I always wonder, actually. I guess it's a is it is it a is it a flashback or like a is it a memory he's having or because the way it ends where he gets caught underneath and there's you know the flames are rising on him. It always, for one thing, it freaks me out because like this is a horrible situation that he's stuck in. Mm-hmm. Well, I love how like uh, claustrophobic he shoots these. They're all like closed in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, which, money. Which, it well, is, it's yeah, money, it's, too, it's, but it works. Yeah, it's effective. It, it works. It's the kind of, you know, sh- use what you can um, that, you know, makes like something like El Mariachi or um, Reservoir Dogs or, you know, any of these, you know, kind of bigger directors, first films where, where they have, or Evil Dead is a great example, too. You know, work with what you got. And they do. <laughs> they pull through on it. I mean, this looks phenomenal. It looks, yeah. It looks for its time and for its budget. Expensive. Yeah. Um,. And, you know, I mean, I, obviously everybody knows, you know, one of the tricks in Aliens is that there were never more than six creatures on screen at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as much money as Cameron spends, he still, generally speaking, acts like somebody who's on a budget. You know, he stretches that $150, $250 million. Um, he also drives his crews nuts. <laughs> the, ori- the original not-my-tempo guy. Yes, Allegedly, he was a bit of a softy on Avatar. Um, well, he says he's he's really calmed down since, so I guess Avatar 2, we'll see. But, uh, <laughs> Avatar 2 still blue. Um, oh! Yeah, that one, that hurt. <laughs> That's, he's, they're not going to wake up in the morning in one piece. And these have to be, what, like, four-inch miniatures that they're using or yeah. whatever? Like, this yeah. is all cool stuff. It looks like he just tossed a grenade at a giant robot creature thing. And again, you know, we know what's going on because we know the story. We've seen these movies, et cetera, et cetera. But for someone that's that's in the dark, this is, you know, complete mystery. What the hell is going on here? It makes me wonder about a lot of those, like this or, like, Predator. Yeah. Or, uh, it's just a lot. I mean, RoboCop's a little more obvious but i mean there's yeah. these kind of sci-fi movies that have these things going even the you know the first alien like you yeah. know there's that sense of wonder or you know you're being set up for something you don't know what yet like, that's kind of yeah. like uh i know it's not as, as popular as the others but highlander kind of plays absolutely 
The Thing no. would be a great example. I mean, you don't yeah. know what's going on in that movie. <laughs> yeah. And Highlander kind of gives that same feel in the modern day with these people. For too, sure. That's yes. Good, yeah. um, that one, you know, again, it keeps you in the dark for as long as it can to the film's benefit. I mean, yeah. I have my issues with that movie, but whatever. They live. You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They live. Um, There's uh, the, the uh, um, I Come in Peace, which is a Terminator riff with Dolph Lundgren, which I highly recommend because it's a lot of fun. I, I do. I do enjoy it. I've not seen that movie. Um, and I think part of that is just because, you know, for budgetary reasons, they couldn't afford to show you everything. So they used, you know, some, you know, somewhat of a mystery as a narrative tool. You know, it, it works to their benefit. They don't have to spend it on the info, you know, the on-screen visual, you know, narrative dump. So they use the fact they can't afford to show you everything as a way to keep you in the dark as the story progresses. And that turns these movies into really cool genre mashups. Like, yeah. this is a sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. It's a horror movie. It's a noir. It's an action film. Like, it has so much. It's a romance. It has so, and a drama. It has so much going for it. There's well, 80s Bradley Cooper. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And, like, the thing I like is, you know, Cameron doesn't, like, waste anything. Like, there's not over. You don't need over explanations for things. You just, you, you have your idea. You run with it. You build suspense around it and you don't have to have those cracks that like always have to be filled nowadays with movies well also i mean and and this is something that that i don't know how groundbreaking this was but i'm sorry that that go ahead go ahead that scene right there where they like they pick up that perp it always it always slightly bugs me because you can tell it's like they said action and then they pulled his face off the glass like that's exactly (laughs) what happened (laughs) my god uh, he's so young it's yeah. The visitor's Lance Hendrickson. <laughs> <laughs> He's a real millennial. Oh. Uh, I used to think of him as like a poor man's Christopher Walken, but I, I don't think that anymore. Like, yeah. For some reason, yeah, in the nineties, in the nineties, he kind of had that vibe. But yeah, it's, I can see a buddy movie know. with them. Um. Oh yes, Scott. What were you saying? I don't remember. Oh oh. oh. Well, we'll get to it when it it's about 20 minutes away anyway, but I love the fact that the big info dump in this film is in the middle of a car chase. Yeah, exactly. And it's just a matter of efficiency. Um, I believe we, we ran by some of James Cameron's social commentary here where he has all the plugs in the uh, the socket. <laughs> that, that's about it as far as social commentary in this movie. <laughs> the the plea for peace comes next time. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I like how she made her hair even more 80s. Yes. <laughs> I liked 80s. it. <laughs> do you see, do you see uh, uh, Sarah, Sarah, I was going to say Laura Connor, Sarah Connor as, do you see a relation between her and kind of, and Laurie Strode? Yeah. In terms of the depiction uh, yeah, yeah. of No, characters? she's a final girl. I mean, she just gets this souped up sci-fi tale but to go even, in. But even in like Persona, well, it's, it's 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 a slice of life portrayal. One of the things I like about this film is that they're real people. I mean, they they you know their their friendship is very convincing. You know, when spoiler she dies in about twenty minutes, it's very sad, and the film remembers to let her mourn. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, and, that uh, that uh, that iguana James Cameron actually went back in time and used CGI to create it, and then went forward in time. <laughs> <laughs> And again, I think that's part of the budget thing. And, and 
both budget of this film and you know of films of this this era you couldn't afford to have non-stop action and non-stop special effects so you had to create interesting characters and you know interesting plots you couldn't afford to just rely on special effects and spectacle um so here's a question with that in mind uh you know knowing that there's only some you only have so many resources to work with and by default you had to you know develop more of a story more characters and whatnot to focus on that aspect and give you the you know the goods when the time called for it what do you what would you consider cameron's best written film is in terms of you know the writing of handling of his characters the story beats and what have you like what would you say is his best written film i know it's not a popular opinion (laughs) i would have to say titanic i mean i know there's some cheesy dialogue but in terms of the plotting you know, the effectiveness of the plotting in that film is why it works. I mean, I mean, just something as simple as showing you what's going to happen to the ship two hours before it happens is just freaking brilliant. So when the crap goes down, you understand clearly what's going on. Um, and I, I, I think, you know, a lot of people gave that script grief because of the melodramatic dialogue. But in terms of plotting, I think it's a brilliant piece of screenwriting. Um... Yeah, I kind of cheat and say Strange Days because uh, <laughs> he didn't direct it. But um, I do think that is a really solid screenplay in terms of both handling uh, being ahead of its time and what it's depicting in, the, in terms of the future um, and just being an efficient kind of noir action film with meshes of sci-fi. But I, I, uh, I asked that question because I, I do think it's a, it's a mix of either this film or, ter- or Aliens. I, uh, I, I think there's a lot going on in both of these that... I think with... with uh... Definitely with Ripley in Aliens, yes. I would say so. But a lot of the the other people, while they're they're fun, I I enjoy them a lot. They're kind of they're they're a bit one note. But he invented that kind of thing with the action movie. Though, That's too. the thing. It's like how do you? I try I would I try to think of movies that are similar to Aliens that do a better job of fleshing out those characters that are you know essentially background players amidst the the chaos going on. Yeah, no, I will. I will say that is one of his strongest scripts, Aliens. Um, and I, I have to agree with Scott too. That Titanic. I mean, he's got the awards to back that up. Well, I mean, I don't. I don't think it was nominated for writing awards. Um, I don't think it was. I don't believe neither yeah. that or Avatar were nominated for best screenplay. Um, and I think you know, I mean, not to get you know my high horse or whatever, but mm. I do think there is a, you know. You know, screenwriting is more than just clever dialogue. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and, and, I, I and I'm not calling I'm not calling him a bad writer. And I no, I'm not saying you. I, I in I, general. I, yeah, it's more. I guess if I'm playing devil's advocate, while at the same time expressing my own opinion on it, I don't. I wouldn't. I don't fall into the camp that you know thinks he's a bad writer, but everything else is good. I do think he does very competent work as a writer, if not you know more so, especially in a film like this or films where he's you know given less to. He has less resources in terms of the the visual aspect and has to you know work on be on his feet. And the only reason I would give any Damaris to Terminator 2 is because so much of it is a big-budget remake of this film. And that doesn't bother me, but it's also a significantly less original work. Um, Less original, I guess. See, that's tough, too, because I get that. And, Brandon, I get that you like this film more than the the second one, which I imagine is by by a hair and not, you know, something more significant. Fair. Um, I, I, I mean... 
It's not I a know, significant. This one, this one speaks more to my my tastes, I guess. Too. Um, I like the more underground feel of it, and and I like uh, seeing how much is done with less. That kind of amuses me. There are a lot of production aspects that amuse me more with this one. Um, no, I think two's great too. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> but this I, I, is what I place yeah. above it. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, I guess the uh, I love how like Michael Bean's like looking so creepy, <laughs> like the the way they shoot yeah. him. In this, even though he's trying to you know essentially be her watchful protector, <laughs> he's like they, they give him a real kind of like like I'm probably gonna rape you look. Like that's like the look that he has right now. It's like if I find you. Um, but uh, that's two for two commentaries I mentioned rape, by the way, between this and Taken. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> not to joke about it, but uh, just in terms of what he's doing. Uh, with Terminator 2, yeah, I get that they're kind of re- – it's it's basically going it's the bigger. Same it's doing, idea. it's doing a sequel thing of going bigger and better. But yeah. I do think it's ha- – I think the it's handing a lot more ideas as well, I think, in terms yes. of kind of Sarah Connor's character, the boy and his Terminator type plot line going on, and just the – creativity involved in developing a, a t-1000 character and a re- pulling putting the terminator you know reversing what it is and adding a level of psychology and and oh, you, know, no. you know philosophy involving the future i mean there's a, i think there's a lot of interesting things in terminator 2 oh that, no know. i i like them about both about equally i mean there are things about this one i like better the things about the other one i like better they're both fantastic pictures yes um it's just this was such you know especially in 1984 just a breathtakingly original work of, you know, genre. And yeah, sure. it's a bit of a mashup here and there, but I, and again, I'm exposing my own ignorance, at least in feature films, I don't recall that many, even, you know, grungy time travel action pictures of this nature. Time after the- time, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. No, but yeah, in terms of kind of iconic ones, for sure. I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen time. I need to see that at some point. I mean, what before? What were the big time travel ones? Other than, there's the time machine. Um, that's a fun question. Um, and this, I mean, but this one's so. What I like is it's so low key about the time travel. I mean, it's yeah, part of the it's sure. part of the plot, but it's it's simplified. You don't have, you're not jumping constantly. Once you've time traveled, you're you're done. You're not going back. Well, the time travel is just a means to an end. It's not. It's not yeah. about the time travel. Right, you know, yeah, oh. it's just part of. It's the, how we it's, get. It's it's how we get our unstoppable killer. Yes. Um, it's part of the world. We yeah. don't we don't have to explain how exactly the mechanism works here. <laughs> all the details. How did he get his what, sunglasses? Well, even yeah. Lance, even even Michael Bean gets frustrated. Well, that, like I always, I always think of uh, Bruce Willis and Looper as referencing Michael Bean when it comes to explaining time travel. It's yes, like, guys, who cares? I'm here. Exactly. <laughs> as long as if I make rules and I play by them, then let me play. Yeah. Time bandits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The planet of the apes. What, a year later, sense. we'd have Back to the Future. Yeah. Planet of the Apes, but it's not really time travel in terms of that's escape from the Planet of the Apes was time travel. Yeah, yeah but, but yeah. it's not. But I, it's more of like it's not really like the impetus of the film is not reliant on like hey, it's just we a built device a to get us and, this story exactly, just like this one. It's just like the sci-finess of Planet of the Apes, I wouldn't define by time travel, right? Yeah, I don't really. I'm looking around for the the it's other a... time travel movies. <laughs> 
it's a tricky subject because I mean it's a nitpicker's nightmare is time travel movies for sure. He just murdered the hell out of her roommate, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's I mean he is hulking in this movie. This is like he you forget how large Arnold Arnold yeah, was. He's big and he's James Cameron huge. certainly he's certainly you know he's using those low angles on purpose. <laughs> I mean he I mean I don't think he's this big in the second one even. He, uh, he just well. I think it's. I think he's. I mean, I think throughout the like towards the end of the eighty, I mean, he starts trimming down to a more actor physique, but he's still embodied. Proportional, maybe. What'd yeah. you say, Scott? Proportional, maybe. Proportional, yeah, because I do think the the nineties slickness of like his hair and just yeah. like just how he's yeah. you know kind of presenting himself makes him more acceptable, I guess, in terms of like the the. Yeah, when he when he gets the buzz cut, he looks more. Yeah, yeah. Here, I mean, here he's looking. He's wearing baggy clothes. Got a lot of hair. Like he look, and it it kind of works in the in the the realm of the technology of the Terminator, where this looks like an earlier model of the Terminator, and the Terminator Two looks like an older model or a, a newer model of the Terminator. And um, I mean, three. There's little references paid where where something I like about this Genesis thing. The one of the few things I do is that they're tr- they're. They're trying to find excuses for Arnold's age, but at least they somewhat seem to make sense, I guess. Well, didn't Cameron come up with the idea for Arnold's age? Yeah, I mean, age it, he, descri- yeah. he describes it in two, how the Terminators, you know, they age, they bleed, or, you know, what they have things that make them seem he- more human, essentially. Uh, one thing I do like about this film is that the cops try to help. You know, they don't just blow her off for the sake of creating suspense. There are very competent complete yeah. officers in this movie, you know, yes. They fail anyway, and that's what makes it scarier, is that they're smart, they're capable, they try, and they still fail. I mean, because yeah, if you take away the cops, who else is going to help you? And it's, yeah. It's still in horror movie mode here. Like, we, yeah. we, we, there's a madman killing innocent women, and we don't know why. And um, he's, a, he's presumably trying to, going to kill our, you know, our lead heroine right now, which is, you know, At awful. Club Technoir. At Club, yes. And we're, you know, basically a full act into this film. Mm-hmm. This is we're thirty five minutes in. Yeah, <laughs> and the movie's about what one hundred and three, hundred and two with credit plus yeah. credits. Um, like this is this will be the end of the first act essentially, right? Yeah, we kind of establish. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah there's, there's action. <laughs> <laughs> there's one thing I always love is the eighties club scenes because they always have like cool lights and they look really nifty on Blu-ray for that's some good, reason. That's a good time to boat. Well, for one thing, how did Michael Bean get into this club? Did he pay the cover? And mm-hmm. also, <laughs> uh, Brad Fidel's score. Yes, um, the score is awesome. It is it's... a fantastic synthesizer score. I love it, and I love the second one as well. I love how it goes. It basically goes epic with the nature of the sequel, but this score is fantastic. <laughs> I love the opening credits. I love that both these two, these first two movies have opening credit sequences that allow you yes. to... It's not a lost see... art. It is a lost art, but it, it, it does a terrific job. I mean, it's more succinct than the Richard Donner Superman films, which, oh my God, take forever as much as I like that John Williams score. <laughs> but um, these movies, they do their job and it's fantastic. Um, one thing I do like about, you know, this character is he doesn't stall. You know, he pulls out the gun. He's about to use it. You know, he doesn't talk. He doesn't pause. He doesn't find a reason not to shoot. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. Uh, and, didn't didn't Arnold take a lot of shooting lessons till he could shoot without blinking? I believe uh, so. Yeah, he, so? He, something like that. And he, like, so he could look with, he, like as robotic as possible. He worked with guns for like two months, like every day beforehand. Yeah, so he could just be kind of a 
seeming natural. I like like this stuff right here with the Uzi where he kind of he kind of shoots, shoots, looks, shoots again. Like it's very there's a there's a very efficient method to his terminating. And you know what's right here, awesome right here. Too? It's gonna be right here where he kind of t- he takes like a duck. While he has a scowl on right his there. face, That's great. but he he doesn't exude any like anger. There's like no emotion. It's just kill. Like I mean, he's not getting pissed. If anything, I something I like about his you know his acting in the second one is that he he makes the robotness of him more natural. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So this, this film, it seems yeah. like he's trying to make it seem like he's a robot, uh, even though he's you know Arnold. The second one, it does seem like he's. It seems smoother, I guess. Like there's the, the scene right here, just before this, where he kind of he's like shooting at Kyle Reese, and then he turns, puts gun to his towards his head, and starts walking forward. It looks like I should act like a robot now, or Terminator Two. It feels like he he's he's more attuned to this. He's been acting for you know several years at that point. Yeah. And comparatively, and this isn't a criticism, Robert Patrick looks a little bit more mannered, comparatively speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, which when I was 11 was awesome. I loved watching him run. I like, you know, watching him get up and sort of, you know, the, the very, you know, mannered way that he moved. Yeah, he scared the um, hell out of me when I was Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> Patrick like, did his and then, job. And then and I got great laugh in Wayne's World when they when had to see where he pulled yeah. over. Uh, 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 I rewound that a ton when it, yeah. when it came on VHS. That was hilarious. It felt like that in-joke where it's like, oh, yeah, I saw Terminator 2. That's a great low budget thing right there, where like he just blew up a car and it looks amazing, and then yeah. Arnold just jumps on the car. He's somewhat on fire, smashes into the glass. There's so much good action here. <laughs> oh yeah, and just the cutting is like excellent. <laughs> yeah, Jay, like just like Michael Mann, like Cameron, like just right off the bat knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Like all his his a lot of his tropes are here already. Is well, even like Expertise. early, like early Michael Bay, like Bad Boys and the yeah. Rock, Michael Bay, like these are these guys come from like that same they they kind of right come away. from the same cloth. Or I mean, John John Woo, <laughs> like they know what they're doing. <laughs> it's like Millhouse grew up and became a cop. <laughs> Everything was not coming up, Millhouse. No. Um. I mean, coming up when he impersonates the voice of an officer, that's, I guess, the, the real clue. It's like, hey, he's a robot or <laughs> like something of that <laughs> yeah. nature. I mean, I guess the bit of getting shot a bunch and then getting back up again, that helps too. But, but um, even that, you don't know. Yeah, yeah you don't necessarily yeah. And again, know we're 40 time. minutes into this movie. You know, we've got basically an hour to go, and we still don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But we don't care because it's Exciting. good. Yeah. Yeah, a series of, like, action and suspense sequences it's it's terrific and this part where they're uh, coming up where they're sitting in the parking garage uh, parking garage is terrific what's Michael Bean done before this I have no idea I don't know he's a day player on a soap opera I don't know um, <laughs> 58 years old by the way let's see here yeah, just random, random rolls here and there. And here we go. Info dump. <laughs> now we get everything. I believe a lot of these car chase stuff is like they shot it, they sped it up, I believe, if that's not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. Especially the, like the, the outside shots of the cars. 
But it, it doesn't all... look like those typical like movies when they do speed it up. It looks yeah, it looks good. Natural. It looks it, it's it's done, it's done well. <laughs> it's not a Benny Hill chase. As much as we wish it might be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just uh, like pretty bad. Like Linda Ham- Hamilton's transformation from this one, the second one is like insane. Well, but it's, it it works. It's 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 believable. You no, know, it works. But just like, yeah. look at how different she is in yeah. this one, and she's so soft in this one, and then completely hardened by the next. Oh. I wonder how easy it is to just get cars and just kind of run rampant on the streets of LA like this. Probably easier in '84 than it is now. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Unless you're Louis Bloom. <laughs> this is simple car chase stuff. It's effective, but it's like it's yeah, just like, it's, here's, a, here's yeah. an alley. This is the kind of stuff that would have been the climax of a lesser movie. You know, the action is that good, but here it's just sort of. You know, window dressing for exposition. There's another hubcap flying off the... Was there much trouble with this one in terms of, like, making it? I honestly don't know. What, what do you, like, production problems? Yeah, production problems or just issues or... I think he just had some script issues with uh, financers. Mm Mm-hmm. Wanting like certain things done, but because like we know I'm... like with aliens, he you know fired his DP and like a lot of the crew, like halfway through and the James movie. Remar and James Remar <laughs> or James Remar, and you know Abyss is still I believe like the most challenging thing he ever did. And I'm reasonably sure, unofficially, that was the most expensive film of all time at that time as well. Would you know, be coming, surprising, yeah. Yeah, coming a year off of Rambo three. Which broke the record with about sixty-eight million. Now, officially, Total Recall cost seventy, and that was the most expensive until Terminator Two in ninety-one, which mm-hmm. cost a hundred. But unofficially, allegedly, Abyss cost around you know eighty, and unofficially, Batman Returns cost a hundred. You know, unofficially, Batman Returns was the most expensive movie ever made. Why would that be unofficial? Uh, it seems like Batman would have that status more than Batman Returns, right? If given all the well, development well, problems. Well, no, it just the, officially the original the budget for Batman Returns was supposed to be fifty five. It went up as high as eighty, and I've you know you've heard rumblings over the years it was a lot more than that, which is one of the reasons why Warner somewhat panicked when the film didn't exactly do as well as they were hoping. Ah. Uh-huh. Um. But. And then yeah, Titanic was. Cameron's Gate, as they're calling it, but it, but it wasn't. Was it really? I don't. Was, I mean, that wasn't really a troubled production as much. It was just a very intricate and and, and you know process heavy one. Yeah, it just, it, yeah, it was a long. What, and... what trouble it had was just the challenge of shooting on water. Um, which, as everybody tells you, is really hard. Which is why making a movie like The Abyss, which is underwater, <laughs> can be yeah. a pain. Oh. I imagine everyone just got on like you know biscuits and gravy with true lies that was just like hey guys what are we doing like, <laughs> you know we're blowing up one of the bridges between the Florida Keys cool let's do it that actually was a hundred <laughs> that was 120 million again the most expensive movie ever made at the time not surprising given the scope of that movie but still yeah. it seems like one that probably wasn't as 
stressful as I would imagine. No, no, I think the projects were. And then Kevin Reynolds had to go and break the streak with Waterworld. Uh, why? <laughs> it was on water. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if Aquaman blows it. James Cameron's <laughs> Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> I get that reference. <laughs> Barely. Um. I like all this just this stealth stuff. Yeah, this takes a while. They they, they take their time with this chase scene. Um, and the script but, takes his time too, because Michael's yeah. still doling out information as we get here. <laughs> I mean, by the time this scene is over, you're pretty much halfway through the movie. Um, which is, I mean, that's the nature of. The, this, at least these first three, these first three movies, they, they're big chase scenes. Like, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. Which is, I think, why they're so. They're people propul- being hunted. <laughs> they're people <laughs> hunting. They're effective and propulsive because there's only so much story. There's much. There's stuff to go with it, but I mean, there's only so much story being told here, and they all take place within about. I mean, this movie's what, like three days? <laughs> yeah. Terminator, yeah. Terminator Two is like a week. T three is like. A, a, like 24 hour period yeah basically like, it's like, hours. Yeah. They, they don't take um, very long to get through these things and you know this film and Terminator 3 are about 105 minutes give or take yeah. the only reason T2 is as long as it is is because there's you know digressions you, yeah. you spend you know 20 minutes in the desert with their friends you spend 20 minutes with the you know Miles Dyson plot you spend a, t- a good chunk of time with Sarah Connor and the mental institution yeah like, there's, there's plenty yeah <clears throat> it just it, it, went, it tried to go big yeah. with everything yeah um, which is something I, I mean, we did, when we did to T3, it's something I admire about T3. It's like, it's not trying to outdo anybody. It's not trying to, no. Jonathan Mostow wasn't thinking, you know what? I made, I made breakdown and now I'm going to make, you know, I made U571 and now I'm going to make the most epic Terminator of all time. <laughs> it's more of, let's just get Arnold back here and do some creative action stuff. And yeah, get it they, over. They, they look like they just went in and were like, hey, let's just make a good movie. No, no one's going to, no one's going to think this is as good as Cameron's to begin with. So. Mm-hmm. They like knew the territory they were going into. It was happy, kind of skirting around the outside rather than you know being a colossal failure or right. going lower. Let's make a let's make a B. Let's make a B. Like yeah. exactly. Uh, it's we one of those movies pass. like Men in Black Three that was ridiculously expensive, but feels kind of light on its feet. Because mm-hmm. uh, I mean, T Three was greenlit at about 170 million dollars, which at the time was the biggest greenlit budget of all time. You know, it didn't go over budget, so it didn't go cost much more than that. And a big part of that was because they shot mostly in L.A. because Schwarzenegger was running for governor afterwards. There you go. Yeah, you know, he couldn't very well run for governor of New York and say, "Hey, we're going to shoot Terminator Three in Ukraine." What was uh, what was War of the Worlds? I remember <laughs> that was like a big announcement when War of the Worlds was uh, like. It was only about one hundred and ten. Okay. I feel like because I remember when because it was like fast tracked right that movie yeah they because I remember it being like a big like press release of like Spielberg and Tom Cruise say let's do it and then like they just got rolling and then like yeah. three months later the movie happened <laughs> like it was like which is oh. amazing I mean we when we eventually do some commentary on some Spielberg movie it's amazing to point out how efficient Always. that man is and like <laughs> the way I mean when you can turn out. You know, Munich and War of the Worlds in the same year, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List in the same year, Amistad and the Lost World in the same year, War Horse and uh, Tintin, and the, like you're doing something right because <laughs> and you know he boards the crap out of his movie storyboarding. Oh yeah, and he, he, it's funny because you know he you know obviously back in the day he had a reputation for being an out of control, over budget filmmaker, mm-hmm. but now really for the last twenty years or so, 
It's exactly the opposite. He can bring in the Lost World for you know seventy million bucks, while you know John DeBont is bringing in Speed Two at like one hundred and twenty on water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no dinosaurs on water in the Lost World too. <laughs> <laughs> um. Um. And I mean, half of that budget had to go to getting Toons Man back in the sequel. Who? The guy off the, the the black guy off the Corvette in the first. Oh yes, yes, yes. He got, <laughs> he has the, he got twenty million plus points. Exactly, exactly. Um, Strange Days, Tune Man. I believe he's in Strange Days also. <laughs> uh, I love this this that, that parking lot chase. By the way, is awesome. It's I awesome. Yeah, I love, it's... How, I love how it goes back out into the street and then like into like a tunnel. Like it's just the use that there's a good speed up shot. <laughs> you can really tell on that one. But um, just the. I mean, it's the same car chase as you guys have just explained, but it, it feels different. Like, it, it, each kind of, like, segment of this car chase has its own feel to it, to an extent. You, guys, you know who Michael Bean looks just like? Who? Jai Courtney. <laughs> See it? They have the same haircut and A little bit. Same physique. <laughs> just... No, bit, I, right? you know. I actually, I, I thought, I, I thought it was weird when they first cast um, Anton Yelchin, but when I saw him in the movie, I, I, I did enjoy his portrayal of Kyle Reese. It was one of the little bright spots of that movie because mm-hmm. I, I didn't buy. I, based on look and casting and seeing him in movies before, I'm like, that kid's Kyle Reese, okay. But I, I thought he did an okay job. Well, I mean, he's a pretty good actor. Yeah, yeah he is a good actor. Yeah. He sells the role. Yeah, he this, doesn't. By the way, this like that, that that shot of Ooh. Arnold like just ramming into the wall and his head hits like the the dummy clearly like destroys itself. That's a great shot. I love that so yeah. much. And I love Reese's kind of all in right here. He's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna shoot all these guys." <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Anton Yelchin, he's a good actor. He he yes. pulls out that performance in that movie. It's funny because that was the same summer he was he was kind of terrible in Star Trek, and then would you say he was terrible? I mean, I, it was a little. Fine. It was a bit of car, It was a bit car, more cartoony than I was expecting <laughs> to get from Chekhov in there. But and but then he was good in Terminator, which was bad. My my only <laughs> issue, and you know, coming as a guy that doesn't really care for Star, doesn't really care about Star Trek that much. Watching him, it seemed like he was you know twelve while everyone else was like twenty. Right, like that was right. that was yeah. my only my only which. I mean, it fit the performance in that light because he looks like a kid and he's acting like one. <laughs> but, yeah, I but, just, I, but I going I was going into the movie liking Anton Yelchin just from other things that he's been involved. Yeah, no, I I, I do I think he's he doesn't get put in enough stuff. Like I mean, he's <laughs> he's Mother F and Charlie Bartlett, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, I just saw him in some that Paul Schrader Nicholas Cage movie, which he had no business. I mean, he's better than that, but were we all di- dying of the light? But he, I mean, he's great in. Um, What's Odd it called? Thomas. Odd Thomas, thank Odd you. Thomas, Odd yeah. Thomas. He's. I mean, he's good. He's good in most. I mean, I. I know Scott. You're not a huge Fright Night fan, but I really like him in Fright Night. Oh yeah, he was. Oh, great it's not his that. fault. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's got a killer cast. It just I, I'm it not does. a fan of the movie. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> Here's our linking. Uh, he's in one through three, right? Yes, he Psychiatry, is. Yes. Yeah, Earl Bowen as Doctor Silverman. Yes, he had a nice cameo in three. That was for good laughs. Um, and again, I, I mentioned this earlier, but I like when you know she comes to the police station. They remember that her roommate just got murdered twenty minutes ago. Yeah, you know they they were you know that would be the first thing they she'd need to know. 
Um, so here's an example of good makeup. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, there's, yeah. A seat that doesn't work anymore comes up. Yes, because that this stuff looks good. Yeah. This is something that T2 does amazingly and still holds up. It, yeah. T2 in general, I think, holds up incredibly well. I have no. Oh yeah, for, especially for early CG. Early CG. Whereas, and it still works. <laughs> whereas movies, you know, Spawn or The Relic, those are movies that are. You hey, know, don't are, talk I'm, trash about The Relic. We no, like I, The Relic. I no, I like The Relic, but <laughs> I, know, I mean, I know, in terms, but but the mix of kind of practical and CG effects, yeah. do, do not stand up as you know, <laughs> late mid to late '90s movies compared to 1991's Terminator 2. Yes, <laughs> well, I think part of that is that there was just the bare minimum of CGI. Most of the special effects that we love of Terminator 2 were practical. I mean, even things like you know, the, the bullet wounds of the T-1000, those were like tinfoil things. It was a kind of a mix, yes. And those, yeah. those are the things that do stand out when they kind of go from being tinfoil yeah. to being CG in order to get rid of them. But as oh. you know, but we had the, the willow rule where morphing is cool, so it always looks good. <laughs> um, where do you guys stand on willow, by the way? I haven't seen that movie in like 20 years. I haven't seen it in a long time. Because I feel like we've all, I we saw always... saw it in the theater. I remember yeah. enjoying it. We have I loved of, it when I was eight. The three of us seem to have this kind of in and out in terms of the 80s movies that we seem to like more than others or like less than others, where you guys are not big on the Goonies at all. And I'm, I'm kind of like mixed on Goonies. Goonies sucks. <laughs> Monster Squad. Mon- yep, Monster so Squad. Curious. Maybe we'll do a Willow commentary someday. <laughs> or a Monster Squad commentary for that. Goonies versus Monster Squad. Mm-hmm. A four-hour commentary. <laughs> there you go. God. Well, they won't like that long. You know, Monster Squad's about 20 minutes long. I like that Lance Hendrickson basically is comic relief, by the way, in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's his role, <laughs> like, of all people. He's the comic relief. Which is more of what he was this stage of his career, as opposed to gruff and serious and barely deadly Lance Hendrickson. Even, like, Near Dark. He's a pretty funny yeah. guy in that movie. <laughs> I thought he was kind of, he was pretty hilarious in Close Encounters of the Third Kind as well. Oh. There's an interesting line here that, mo- frankly, most people miss when talking about mythology. You know, the war is over when this movie starts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. over. They won. You know, there's no the future war. What happens next? Nothing. It's over. No, that's the, the whole. That's the whole reason they did this. They're doing the worst on the rebels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, he has a he has a barcode tattoo on his arm because he was a slave to robots. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, Here's where we get more makeup. And it looks fine. Right right here it's fine. We'll get to it. Yeah, it's coming. Now we're coming to the scene where there's uh... Yep, here we go. Well, I mean, you know, part of it is because, you know, you know he is a robot. You know to a certain extent his skin is synthetic. So, I, frankly, I buy the illusion. Well, but it probably wasn't until DVD that we noticed it that much. Yeah, I'm sure on VHS it held up quite oh, a bit. Yeah. Just in terms of the time that VHS was out and the other movies that we've seen around it. I mean, and yeah. you know, the kind of love that you have for this movie going in, or at least, you know, acknowledgement of what Stan Winston was doing. Yeah. Well, by the time DVD was coming out, you also had The Matrix. So, you, I mean, you know what, <laughs> you know what, you know what good make, you know what great makeup looks like. Like here, yeah. this, yeah. Almost, this practically looks like an animatronic. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it, it is an animatronic. Yeah, <laughs> Who, who would have thought time, that? You... What can you do without? I mean, without it looking like some huge thing lopped on Arnold's face. Hey, I mean, Scott, he's wearing gargoyles glasses. <laughs> but I mean, it is a little funny that they're using robots to make a convincing robot. 
This is true. There is, I mean, something that's, it's I, it's played in the background to an extent. There is a line of reference to it, but the Terminator, he smells, and I like that. I like that it's a de- he's a decaying piece of property as he gets yes. more and more battle damaged, and they bring that out as there's flies in his room and people are outside of his room are commenting. It's like, what is that? It feels like something died in there. There's 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 these there's applications of logic to what this character means as he exists in the world now and takes on various levels of damage and brings you know his own presence into other surroundings and what that means i also like any time that we have people being recorded and then played back and they always lash out violently before being paused that always gets me going (laughs) which you know if he's trying to convince them but again you're right he is somewhat feral anyway yeah but he's a lone he's he's a he's a real channing tatum he's a lone wolf (laughs) He doesn't have a pack. You know, it's funny because, you know, I watched this as a kid. I was always thinking, you know, wouldn't they possibly believe him a little bit? I mean, he did save her life. He did kill the guy, try to kill the guy that was killing everybody else. Why and, not just humor him for a little bit? I am curious what, well, I mean, Dr. Silverman is. He's like, I can write a book on this. <laughs> I can make some money. But, um, also, Dr. Silverman's a dick, just saying. But um, yeah. the, uh, <laughs> I, I am wondering what the kind of the charges are. Besides, like reckless endangerment and possession of a firearm. Yeah. Well, Grand Theft Auto. They could possibly have her as you know. They could think she has some sort of Stockholm from being with the guy. Right here is like he's just going all crazy. It's like, oh, let me pause this movie. <laughs> We're playing. You know, there's a there's an interesting factor that was in the original script. Um, I mean, they're just talking about the murdering of the two women. Um, like the Terminators, like they knew that Sarah Connor had like pins in her leg. Mm-hmm. From like a, a fracture, and uh, every time the Terminator would kill one of the Sarah Connors, they would break the leg open to check for it, and that's what they were looking for. And then it, it wound up a twist in the end is she broke her leg fighting the Terminator because huh. they they knew she had the fracture in her leg, but they didn't know when she got it. But it ended up being because she was fighting the Terminator. Interesting. But they wiped that from the final screenplay. This is the Scooby Doo scene where it's like, you see this? This is body <laughs> armor and also PCP. Like just like oh. <laughs> it's not a ghost at all. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite form of her hair on this movie by the way. I like that it stays there yeah. for the rest of the movie. <laughs> this is And I, I really like Paul Winfield here. I, I, think yeah. he's, I think he's very, as you've been saying, Scott, I mean, the police are competent in this movie, but he's a very warm presence. As he's is, very as, empathetic. Yeah, as it, like, you could, you could, I could easily, if the, the, this could easily be like Mills and Somerset from Seven playing these characters, and you just see that yeah. kind of natural rapport between them. Or Briggs and Murtaugh for them. I mean, it just, like, it works. <laughs> and he gets out just in time. Yeah, Dr. Silverman just passes by. <laughs> Then we get the, you know, the, the nerdiest of all the cops is why he works on the front desk. <laughs> and, you know, how does this line of all things become a catchphrase? I mean, it's just sort of just an off-the-cuff line. It's because... uh, and I have to assume it wasn't planned. It was, well, it was supposed to be like, I will be back, or... Yeah, it's, it's an ad-lib, but also, I mean, I don't recall it being that emphasized in the trailers. It wasn't like, you know, in the line of fire where they kept trying to make... That's not going to happen into a catchphrase. Well, he's also well, said it. He's said in other movies. Yeah, I think it was be, be, when when Commando gave it the handshake. 
that it started becoming a thing. And then in the the next Terminator, it was there too, and but that was where they marketed the heck out of that line. Yeah, but but it's also the kind of this scene in itself. It's such an iconic like scene that like it's like its own vignette of anything of just Arnold badassery. Yeah, yeah. he he walks into a room, studies the room. Has a little has some couple chit chat lines. Then the camera gives him this wonderful wide sh- shot as he as he puts his head right into frame and says, "I'll be back." Then the next scene is he rides a giant a car into the gi- entire room. It just it plays so well as it's like own little short film almost that I, I can see where if you walk out of that movie, the lines that you will say are you know come with me if you want to live if you want to say something like that if you're like on the side of the hero yeah. or you see this hulking Arnold Schwarzenegger character and the line that you remember from him is I'll be back. Like, that's the... That's... Plus, I mean, yeah, it, like you said, it's compounded with... A, it's just a simple, like, oh, I'll be back. Yeah, and he comes back with ramming a car in and blowing the hell out of the building. Like, and it... with a shotgun, and, you know, it's it's not just like, okay, I'm back now. It's a back with a ton of force. I'll get I'll get back to that in one second. Simplicity of Cameron shooting in this movie. This, yes. It's, uh, um, Terminator walks into a room, sees a guy running away, fires a shotgun... And how do you how do you make that work and make it look real? You add a flash. Obviously, there's a cut, and then the guy's jumping in the air. That's like that's, yep. that's such like that's film school 101 yeah. stuff, and it's so effective because it looks like a guy just got blasted in the back of a shotgun. And as violent as this film is, and of course this film is very violent, there's not a ton of squib work, no. but there doesn't need to be because it emphasizes the just the you know the, the, the loss of life is horrible enough. It's visceral. Yeah, and, and a lot of it's off screen. Yeah. Just off screen, you know. Well, it looks like it hurts, and that's all that yeah. matters. It yeah. doesn't matter how much oh. blood splatters; if it, it it's got to look like it hurts. The most, most blood probably comes from the Terminator and Kyle Reese, and yeah. there's not yeah. that much of that. <laughs> yeah, I think the goriest scene is when Kyle Reese is killed. Which you can, yeah, and which you can say the same about Terminator Two, for that matter, too. Yeah. I mean, there's some yeah. stuff. The T1000 does some things. There's a shot. He of, stabs some people. Yeah, there's the shot of Xander Berkeley. Yeah. Sorry, 24 Xander Berkeley. Uh, 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 that's taken another, Xander Berkeley. Take, taken Xander Berkeley, except taken three. Yes. Um, that, that's a gr- that's a great shot, but that's another one where he kind of shoots a guy in the face of a shotgun. Yeah. just kind of a quick edit. But um, I mean, yeah, it's it's about it's more important than you know the, the gore is the the sound editing. Yeah, goes a long way with it too, and sure. and just like the impact and the editing. Like blood is last. As much as I like gore and stuff like that, but I mean, blood is last. And right here, you have your two you know other you know sub hero characters next to Kyle Reese. One of them gets kind of shot and he passes out. Lance Hendrickson, you see, die off screen. Like, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's no... There's, so he didn't. He doesn't really die, you know? Exactly. He could be alive <laughs> still. He could come back. He could come back in Terminator Genesis. Well, he says there's 30 cops in the building, and at Terminator 2, he finally, like, killed 17. So mm-hmm. theoretically, there were twelve survi- or 13 survivors. Fair. Wrapping oh. up the uh, I'll Be Back point, by the way. Um, <laughs> the movie's called The Terminator. Arnold Schwarzenegger's name is on the poster. He only has like 16 lines in this movie. That's the line. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, there's Fair only enough. one line you remember. <laughs> I, I love this uh, Brad Fidel cue right here, too, when Michael Bean rescues Sarah. What I find interesting about the score is, you know, the theme is established right from the opening credits. And even though this isn't a film that is as oppressively somber as the second one, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it's not as navel gazing for lack of a better word. It's too B movie for that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still a very sad and somber music cue. Yeah. It very much so. Completely agree. It sounds, yeah, it sounds like, it sounds like a, a mournful, triumphant, but mournful war theme. Yes. Um, Which is perfectly in line with the second film. It is almost, prescient if that's the right word for the first film 
Um, I mean, you wouldn't expect, you know, the hidden to have a theme like that, for example. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, it's very much along with what Brandon you mentioned. This Carpenter stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah this, it's, is, it's this is Escape from New York, John is, Carpenter. Yeah, yeah, this is very much a love letter. It's like Escape from New York meets Halloween. And yeah, the the music even is your clue to be like, oh yeah, it was. There's there's some intention there. I, maybe he came up with a story, but he's like, I want to tell it. The how he tells it is. Just the the grimy look of it. I love that is one thing I love about this movie. Where the second one goes more slick, this one's, and most a lot of that's due to budget, but. And now, after getting that terrific action sequence, we get about 20 minutes of character building. And that's it. Um, and it, it's actually almost a shock when this film does slow down for the end of the second act, basically. Because really, it's just been relentless since the last, you know, 65 minutes. Um, but obviously, it's earned a little break. And there's really no way for the characters not to regroup in some fashion. You know, fully because they need sleep. Um, but this really is the only downtime in this entire film. Um, and it's, it's, it's impressive how you do eventually buy their romance, considering it really is just another, you know, generic, arbitrary, romantic subplot between the guy and the girl in an action film, you know, it's no different than, you know, the first power, for example. Well, there's, there's, um, I mean, there's some sense of nurturing more than romance to it, too. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, it's the film's credit in terms of acting and writing that you do buy this romance as something more than just arbitrary. I think it comes from the strength of being in Hamilton, honestly. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah. I don't think anyone's going to deny, but the, um, you know, <clears throat> Yes, there's a. It's kind of you know requisite girl character and you know tough guy character, but I think there's a kind of there's a. I mean, Michael Bean's very good in this movie. I think both of them are very good in this movie, but Michael Bean's the one that's you know. Well, it's tough actually to decipher between them in terms of who's more effective. But I mean, Michael Bean has to both deliver a lot of exposition, which frankly could sound pretty silly. And you know, no, whatever, yeah, he's whatever. the one who has to make us believe all this. Yes, and he and he does. I mean, it helps that you know it's true. <laughs> in terms yeah. of this film but he commits to this character he commits to this role and i believe think everything that he's doing and it makes me say it i'm legit sad that he dies in this movie given that he's doing all that he can to protect this person that he's he has this kind of film reference laura like fascination with based off her picture like it's it's yeah. such a it, it um deja vu takes hints from both these movies as well by the way but um yeah and i like that movie quite a bit but um yeah, Bean, really, I mean, as much as it's called The Terminator and, again, has Schwarzenegger's name on it, it really is Michael Bean that's carrying a majority of this movie and Linda Hamilton for that, too. And she also has to, I mean, the kind of... The, Hamilton's kind of in the the the, uh, the kind of um, chosen one role, I guess you would call it, where while she's not, you know, she's not John Connor, she's the person that's suddenly being given all this information that she's, you know, the 
the mother of the child that will save everything and to an extent she's the one that trains him she's the one essentially which we you know we've seen in movies before this we've seen in others it's not quite the hero's journey that you all know but she's given a lot of information and she has to work with it she has to make it she has she has to deal with it to an extent and she does it well i mean it's it's a which is what brings me back to that writing question of which is Cameron's best write, written film. I do put this quote pretty high because I think it's a, yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. the, no, the, the, it's there's the action's good, but there's a lot of character work in here. And that requires a lot of, you know, character based dialogue and actions and emotions and what have you. And a good script, you know, helps you do that. <laughs> One thing I, th- I think helps too, it puts us in Hamilton's shoes is all this is like really hard to believe. Like, cause look at the world. I mean, he's talking about, I mean, look at her in this movie and all this stuff he's telling her she's going to do. And then look at the world around is nothing's happening to the world around to get to this future, except what's going on with these two. Yeah. And there's just one Terminator coming after them. And then apparently the world is just going to go crazy, but we, we get no sense of the world heading in that direction in this film. We just have her and she's got to go off of all this stuff. She's going to, she's being told she's going to be. And you know, it's hard to see her in that. And of which, course, if I recall, there's an alternate deleted ending, which basically implies that all of the you know, the future as we know it came to pass because of the events of this film. It gives a it gives yeah. a giant kind of tease of what basically the sequel becomes, where where there's a Cyberdyne systems and yeah. they'll find they'll find the pieces of the Terminator. Whatever, which again, I mean, we don't we don't even, we haven't even gotten to the time travel logic of this film where <laughs> the, yeah. um, this future exists. Because this man was sent back to impregnate the woman that will cause the arrival of him to begin with, which makes your eyes get crossed, as does the idea of the technology that exists to create Cyberdyne systems and Skynet and Terminators exists because it appeared in the past before those things existed to begin. I mean, <laughs> the, to, uh, to, the complexity uh, to, of time travel. To reference a, a recent time travel movie, it's a chicken or the egg thing. There you go. <laughs> And I love that stuff. I love but that's it. what's cool about it is because it is, your yeah. brain can't figure it out. And you just, I love that rather than some spoon fed. Well, and it also doesn't matter because the time travel is, 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 is not the core center of focus. Mm-hmm. And, and well, here's the thing too, like sure, you know, John Connor, you know, to start this for people, I mean, he could have been born to somebody else and then the time history has changed with Kyle Reese going back, but or maybe it's always Kyle Reese. I don't who knows, but it's That's, fun to like sit and well, debate. But, he that. Has, but they have the picture. They have Sarah Connor's picture. It, yes. <laughs> That's the that's a thing too though. The the nature of the time travel in this movie, which other movies have cuz I mean as kind of loosely handled as the time travel is, the logic is pretty sound in terms of what they're trying to do where they don't get too they get they don't go too far into the nitty-gritty details of it. But I like this where he's like he gives the the gunpoint at the little girl at the, right there like, yeah, yeah i have fun <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but like other movies reference terminator because terminator does a good job of not going too far into details while providing just enough where it makes sense yeah whereas whereas, whereas back to the future two needs a needs a chalkboard in order to explain things oh what's on oh the fire channel i love that <laughs> i have that on netflix what's it? yeah it is on netflix <laughs> yeah <laughs> look up. i was gonna look up something um, I lost it. Something about time travel. 
<laughs> well, no, it, it, the movie doesn't explain any more than it needs to, mm-hmm. so you don't get hung up on the details. And, it's and also, the movie and it, is so it's aggressive. It's in its presentation, yeah. so... And also, you know, A, the movie is so propulsive that you don't really have time to think about the logic until after it's over, and B, you know, this was back in an era where you didn't necessarily see films, you know, countless times. You know, maybe you saw it in theaters, and then... At best, maybe you caught on HBO once or twice. Well, and you had to wait. I mean, yeah, to wait a year. When 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 things would come out on VHS or Betamax, it'd be a couple years after it aired and it was in theaters. Yeah. I mean, movies would play in theaters for like eight months, and then they'd be like a couple years later, and they go to like a video store for rental, and then to purchase, it was even longer. <laughs> I, I mean, you could purchase movie. it for like one hundred ninety-five dollars, but. I, I love this flashback, by the way, that has a Terminator that's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's just another yeah. Terminator that happens to look like a beefed-up Rufus Sewell. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. But, um, I, I, I like, which kind of defies the lot because there's, you know, the um, Terminator 3 has like a deleted scene about the assembly line of Arnold Schwarzenegger's that are, but even right. Terminator 2 has a TV yeah. trailer denoting, denoting that idea. But, um, I but do yeah, like you would, that. You would that, think they wouldn't make them all look the same. I love that that silhouette shot, by the way, of the Terminator oh, yeah. under the that it's that, that that's like the epitome of sci-fi noir, right there. Easily. Yeah, right. Like that's 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 Blade Runner through and through. <laughs> like that's, you just get that right. The red eyes, the shadows, the thought, the the atmosphere mixed with you know a, a high-powered futuristic gun of some kind. what I was thinking about with the time travel and keep saying we'll get to this in Terminator 3 but something about Terminator 3 that's interesting is that the the concept of Judgment Day being inevitable and we'll get back to that when we talk about how if you want to talk about somber movies Terminator 3 is an amazingly somber film for a July oh, yeah. 4th holiday spectacular <laughs> yeah because <laughs> yeah. like, the world does not end happily in that film the last 20 minutes are just horrifying yeah yeah and what's funny is like the coloring on that one is like really you know rich and bold, and it's such, it's such a grim outlook on everything compared to the first two films, which have a very blue. Both both of these films, both these first two films are somehow more. There's your makeup right here. Somehow yeah. more optimistic than the third movie is. <laughs> the the amount of like sleaziness on that like that manager guy of the apartment. <laughs> Something it's, it's Blu-ray especially it helps you that with this, but the cigar, the hair on his the dirty chest wife beater, and his shoulders, like just the dirty wife beater, the hole in the wife beater. This is like the sloppiest janitor guy. Like the casting was amazing for that scene. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> no, the casting said Dennis Franz like character with James Con body hair. <laughs> is someone gonna what? Oh yeah, there it is. Hey, what? <laughs> <laughs> You think did uh, Nike sales go up after? Uh, yes, this one? just do it. Well, this was the eighties. Nike sales were always going up. The Tiki Motel. It's next. It's near the uh, Safari Motor Inn, where uh, Christian Slater and Patricia Ar- Ar- Oscar winner Patricia Arquette are currently staying for a true romance. <laughs> Is Anton Sugar Gurith looking for his bounty? Anton Sugar <laughs> just stole their car. <laughs> <laughs> That movie is, I forget that's an 80s movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's like 81 or 82, right? Where it's set. Yeah. One of those details that's definitely necessary because it's a Coen Brothers film and that's how they do it. It's like, it's like <laughs> movies like Grounded Terminator. 
That yeah, that really yeah, it is like Grand yeah. Tour. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> There's a double feature right there: Terminator and No Country for Old Men. Oh my god. Oh wow, yeah. <laughs> Even down, even down to some of the characters, I mean, it's like yeah. well, they're kind of just flipped on their heads and stuff. I mean, Shigeru is very much like. I mean, there's a, there's a something during the time the movie came out, we were in discussions of different ways to watch the movie, and one of my friends suggested watching it as if uh, Shigeru was an extraterrestrial, like trying to like mm-hmm. infiltrate human life, <laughs> and I mean, it works. You can say that a lot about Arnold roles in certain movies. Yeah, <laughs> twins. Yakety yak. No, mom, he's really cute. This is the hottest that Linda Hamilton looks in this movie, by the way. Yeah. I prefer dry hair. Fine. Have your topless sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> the implication here is so sinister. Just yeah. the, the the hole in the door, the the smoke outside the screen. She never had a chance. And it shows, like, how efficient these machines... Like, it shows how deadly these things are, where it's not... It can't find you, and so it found a relative, horrifically murdered it, and just waited. That's scary. Yeah. Like, that's, that's really scary. It knows how to get a few steps ahead. Mm-hmm. It's you just, even it's, say please. It's a scary... Yeah. It's a scary as Shigur hearing Shigur's tracking device outside your door. Yes. Yeah. God, that's a good movie. <laughs> no Country yeah, for Old Men. Yeah, I love No Country for Old Men. <laughs> and that, and that's like a, that's a, you know, that's that's the Coens. That and Blood Simple, I guess, are their horror movies that they've made. <laughs> like the, yeah. Those. I mean, they're genre mashups again. As oh, well. Serious Man's pretty horrifying. It can't if you think about that movie in the right yeah, way. No, I, it I, really I, is. Yeah. Yeah. That, that <laughs> movie. Oh. Um, I mean, it, uh, it even ends on a really somber note, for that matter, too. Oh yeah. It's a very grim picture. That movie, I mean, and I, I don't know everyone else's Jewish upbringing, but even as just, you know, a Jew, that movie is like so fascinating to me of like what yeah. they're doing. Well, I mean, you know, it's funny. We, you know, we always like to you know, make jokes about, oh, you know, Jews run Hollywood. But really, there aren't a lot of mainstream films that are explicitly Jewish. Mm-hmm. You, have to have mean, them, you have to have them kickstarted like that yeah, exactly. craft to make them explicitly Jewish. And, or when they well, are, it's, you know, it's, you know, like, I don't know, something like way over the top. Or like, you know, this is where I leave you with no Jewish actors. Or like a Mel Brooks film. Yeah. Um, all, I those remember Mel, a, a, all those a, Mel Brooks a, films that come out all the time. A film a film, a film I, I, I really like a lot that um, I feel like the Jewishness of it was like a twist at the end was like Diner. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. Where it, well, it's yeah. just all fine. And then they have the wedding at the end. And it's like, oh, they were all Jewish. Okay. <laughs> Did not know that. Was that Levinson's first movie? I believe uh, so. Very yeah. obviously Jewish Barry Levinson's first movie. <laughs> yes. It was like a it was like a big launching pad for a lot of there's like Kevin Bacon, Bacon um, um, Stern, Oscar, Gutenberg. Oscar winner uh, Steve Gutenberg. Oh wait, that's not true. Um, Mickey, um, Mickey Rourke. Mickey, yeah, Mickey Rourke. Um, what's his Mars name? Steve Tim um, Wings guy. Oh, everybody always give him a TV pilot, but it never lasted more than a season. Uh, um, Busfield? No. Tim Daly? Uh, Tim Daly? Yeah. Yes. Busfield. <laughs> Bus. Um Busfield's yeah. breakout was Revenge of the Nerds, wasn't it? Paul Reiser. Yeah, yeah. Was it? I guess so. Was it? 
We got to Diner talking about Terminator. I don't know how that happened. That's right. He's not in Revenge of the Nerds. What are you talking about, Tim Daly? No, Tim Busfield. A uh, Busfield, yes. Yeah. Bacon had like 19 breakouts. He was like in every age yeah. thing. And like, yeah, like Friday the 13th and then Animal House. Animal and... House. But my favorite, will, my favorite will always be planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's my favorite early to Kevin Bacon performance right there. So this is a scene when I was little that I had to go um, behind the couch. Okay, yeah. Well, I was watching with my parents. You were allowed to see all the, you know, horrifying... All the violence, yes, all the violence, all the murder. But when this happened, I had to go... Because we had a living yeah. room, and the setup was like, I could just go behind the couch. I didn't have to leave the room. But, yep. And I, I didn't really... I think I was... It, the. I think it was young enough that I didn't really know what was going on at the time, so when I saw this movie later, I was like, oh, there were boobs in Terminator. This is one of those the way, this is one of those where the actors heighten the strength of it because it's it essentially boils down to you're sad, I'm sad, sex? Like that's the scene. <laughs> <laughs> but but we've been with these characters long enough and there hasn't been any action, and so if you're not gonna have any action, people have to kiss each other. And it works because the actors are convincing. Like they do a they they pull well, off mean, the kind of pathos that's Kyle Reese is all she has at this point yeah. <laughs> in her life. I mean, there's no going back to anything. All she has is Kyle Reese. I do like... I shouldn't have said that. I also like that he does not decide to buy new pants in the course of this movie so far. I like how he was all about, be careful with those, and now he's like shoving, shoving them. him in the bag. Thematic. <laughs> Go for it. There he is. Now we get the acoustic version. <laughs> His burns look good. Mm-hmm. Is the one on yeah. his face real a real scar, or is that for the movie? He's got one under his like lip. They, they are subtle effects. The one under his lip, I don't know. I need to. We'd have see. to. We'd have to reference aliens to make sure if it matches up. I can click on his his Wikipedia picture. I need to see it again because I don't see much of a scar on his face right now. Cameron does, I mean, I don't know how sensual you might want to consider this scene, but I do, the, the hand shots there, I mean, they do their job. Yeah. Switch hands. Yeah. Because the cause Fidel's score as well, Fidel Castro's score. Um, Were those yeah. actually uh, Linda Hamilton and Michael Bean's hands? I don't know, maybe it was Cameron and Galey and Hurd's. <laughs> or maybe it was Cameron, it was Cameron and, and Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> On reshoots that no one else knew about. Don't throw dynamite at me. That's not fun. <laughs> Don't do that again, please, ever. <laughs> and for like 10 seconds, they're happy. Yep. The dog stuff's another good touch. That's It's a recurring theme. It's brought up once, and you see it in the flashback, and you see it here. Just dogs don't like Terminators. Cats would join the Terminators. Cats would be like, 
I will totally help you kill this person. After the snap. This, okay, and this portion of the music, which basically takes up the rest of the movie, I love this stuff. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. That's just, that's just fun. <laughs> and you've had about 15 minutes of downtime, and then it's off the races. Yeah, now, now it's full steam ahead. Like, there's nothing yeah. but action in the rest of this movie. No turning back. The dog was still barking at him, too, by the way, which I like. It's just well done. That's a cool... I don't like... I don't need to be impressed by every shot of this movie, but just whipping a motorcycle around that close to a camera, that's cool. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. a cool shot. And Arnold's like a big enough guy where he can do that kind of thing. Like He can grab an entire motorcycle, just flip it around. Well, well the interesting thing is, you know, as, as, as violent as he is, he doesn't kill somebody unless either, either in self-defense or unless he feels the need to. Even in the opening attack scene, he only shoots at the bystanders so she'll fall on Sarah and pin her to the ground. Or because he just missed. <laughs> yes, yeah, he's trying. Yeah, exactly. He's trying to kill Kyle Reese and he misses. Yeah, um, so, I mean, which is he, it's hilarious because the um, well, you have Commando obviously, but T two does that even more. It like yeah. it, it very it purposefully neuters the Terminator. Both because of I guess Arnold's image at that time and just the nature of that movie, where even though it's an R rated blockbuster, it's still mainstream enough where it's like we don't we we shouldn't have Arnold being the person killing everybody inside if he doesn't have to. Well yeah. it's I and mean the, it's, even, it's even role re- it's role reversal. Yeah that I mean, helps the first one you got too. the big guy chasing the little guy and the next one you have the little guy chasing after the big guy. But I think yeah. but it's a conscious effort after like Red Heat and Total Recall where yeah. yes. they're just Ar- Arnold Slaughter fests. Like and he was very much being commented on and that's part of the joke in the last action hero where he says, like, when this movie, in the last movie, we killed 200 people. In this movie, we try to minimize it to only 150 people, something like that. Like, some kind yeah. of line. Like, they're, it's so, um, self-aware in that way. But the other thing about, you know, Robert Patrick, he almost enjoys it. I mean, there's almost a sly enjoyment of what he does. Uh, I mean, he kills the one guy who runs him through just for shits and giggles right at the end. Um, that, yeah, there's the, yeah, I know what you're, I know what you're referencing, um, yeah. But this one is is more, you know, it's strictly business. I mean, I don't want to say the T-1000 is emotional, but there certainly serves to be a certain mischievousness that certainly is nowhere to be found in this character. Well, I think it comes with the kind of the the um, the, the technology involved in making someone like him who can yeah. tap into people and what have you. I think there's, it allow there's, I, I don't know what the robotic specifics are, but I think there's an advancement in the AI technology that makes him happen, which is reflected again in, the term, in Terminator 3 where you have like, uh, Arnold talks about psychology being one of his subroutines and the TX doing all kinds of stuff that rely on her sex appeal to get ahead. Oh. The, all of this editing is amazing to show a man probably being run over. Like, I, this is oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Again, six million bucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would that equate to in today's dollars? Probably about 20. Yeah. 20. It's crazy to think we need so much money for these things. I like this limp. It begins the limp that you see with the animatronic stop-motion Terminator later on. Mm-hmm. It's just set up. Careful detail. This is good makeup. I like this a lot. This is, oh, yeah. That's a good shot. And yes, Scott, I guess Get Out was not as iconic a line as I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that also gets a callback in my second film. 
Hey, Scream 2 did quote, Sarah Connor? Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, it always struck me as interesting. You know, there are certain you know, marketing campaigns where they're clearly trying to get a catchphrase. You know, why so serious in the dark night? Um, the fire rises. Yeah, the fire rises. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's... And you had to know that Warner Brothers knew what they had with, you know, go ahead and make my day with sudden impact. Oh, yeah. Um, Pretty much anything. I mean, because Clint Eastwood yeah. says like four words a movie. So, I mean, anything yeah. he says is going to be quotable in some um, I mean, he he has at least four <laughs> attempts at those in, in each Dirty Harry film. Yeah. Um, and, you know, on the other hand, you have something like, you know, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which... You wouldn't think of it as necessarily an overly quotable movie, but there's no a lot t- of lines. <laughs> there's a lot of lines from that that have sort of become part of pop culture. Oh yeah, you know, you have it's, chosen poorly, and it's because you have James Bond and Han Solo slash yeah. Indiana Jones <laughs> bouncing. Yeah. their chemistry is so great. Yeah, this is uh, great. This is amazing. Oh, I, this, this is like, awesome. this, this stuff is so like just the oh, just yeah. a woman being chased by this unstoppable tanker machine, <laughs> and there's a there's dynamite in the back of it. I mean, in this movie, I mean, it re-emphasizes the guy who... And I, the rear projection screen work in this it holds up pretty good. It does, yeah. Um, but, like, the, the guy just... just he, This movie's like, oh, he just keeps coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He keeps, I mean, and for general audiences who, I mean, probably weren't going to every slasher every weekend, this is probably a, a big thing for them that they weren't seeing a lot. Yeah, exactly. This yeah, is a good time to recommend The Guest, by the way. Oh, yes. <laughs> that yes. movie's awesome. And very um, much, it's very, it's very good. Very much influ- influenced by this film and certain Carpenter films, without going too involved into it, because you should go fresh if you haven't seen the guest. Yeah, uh, it, it it plays around with the with that era while being its own thing, mm-hmm. which is the best compliment I can pay. Something I love about Terminator movies in general: the explosions that happen are always emphasized. It never like there's that joke in the other the other guys where an explosion happens and. They they laugh at the or they they kind of make fun of the fact that explosions are much bigger than they seem in the movies. Terminator movies generally feel like the explosions that happen have a lot of damage. Yes, I mean jo- Kyle Reese isn't killed by gunfire; he's killed by shrapnel based off an explosion. This yeah. giant tanker truck explosion still managed to burn like the garbage truck that he's in like a few blocks back, and Sarah Connor's like almost out of the way completely of. They're still affected by these things, even Terminator Three. Man, that I really I like that movie quite a bit. <laughs> like I'm excited yeah. to watch it again because I haven't watched it in a while. Oh yeah, but it it it, do, it does a lot with the kind of collateral damage at play in those movies in, in all these Terminator movies. The 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 Miles Dyson blowing up all of Cyberdyne system. Like it's just there's so yeah. much. There's a there's a lot of care in the kind of collateral damage that takes place with these you know people fighting each other behind the scenes as you called it. Oh. No, the big explosion at the at the at the off you know, the the Dyson building, whatever it's whatever it's called. Yeah. You know, the characters actually comment, Oh my god, that's a giant explosion. Yeah. You know, it's a war a war zone down here. And uh Arnold Schwarzenegger is done for the day. Yep. <laughs> He's gone. Well you know it's it, it, not to take anything away from C G, but when you're watching like these old these eighties ones and the nineties movies like this and the second one when they're real explosions and you're like oh my gosh they really blew this stuff up they really set this stuff on fire well, that's why I it's can, just like i can like wow i can appreciate what nolan does and like that the batman movies he went right, yes. blew up a giant building for dark knight he, he yeah. flipped over a truck in the dark Knight. like I yes mean, 
they and not to say he's not the only one either and like as much as we want to criticize michael bay he does things big too it's he not blows them up too. yeah no it's 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 i am very much looking forward to his benghazi movie uh the idea of him doing his thing in a film of potentially a film of of, of more substance in the terminator films that is very exciting to me I might, dis- I might disagree with it politically for the entire running time, but who cares if it's a good movie? I uh, I, I want to, while we're on Michael Bay during a James Cameron film, but um, <laughs> I, I credit Michael Bay films with, even when he does use uh, CG, his effects and like the Transformer movies, sometimes you see them in the theater, they look great, you come to home video and they look obvious, his do not. Yes. His actually hold up and he he pays attention to that sort of stuff that he wants it always to look convincing yeah he 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 fits in the realm of people like him and george lucas where you can have characters running in and out of scenes where they turn into cg characters but it still all feels fluid and real as opposed to die another day where james bond cg surfing on a tidal wave (laughs) those are yes regardless of the films regardless of the stories or what have you and even people that want to criticize the amount of editing and cutting Michael Bay does, the 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 effects are flawless in those movies. Yeah, right. And he he and he's not one that phones it in. He is color timing things to the very end. I love the music cue when the Terminator runs into the room right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's this. <laughs> it's very sharp. I like it a lot. But um, yeah. No, and he makes it look easy. He does, and that's part of why I think it gets criticized. I mean, yeah. because it's there's so much. I mean, people. If people would see some of these documentaries on these Terminator, yeah. these Transformer movies, it's incredible the kind of work and effort that he puts into getting simple scene or seemingly simple scenes done. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, he's a very underappreciated filmmaker. Yes. I mean, I, seriously, you may not like his movies, but I mean, people really should respect his craft. Like, because it, it's not easy to make movies. <laughs> no, <laughs> from, and then from, the ones from he these... does are very the most difficult. Yeah, from the, from these movies to Boyhood. I mean, movies aren't easy to make. It's not easy to make a giant special effects driven blockbuster that you know you're invested in, and it's not it's not easy to you know it's not easy to make a movie for twelve years and make you know five movies in between that. It's hard to make a movie. Look at this movie. This is not easy to make. <laughs> like, it didn't cost much. Look at all the work it took to make this Terminator like come to life, and this was stop motion. So this was like hours and hours and hours of yeah. getting him just like move an arm. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, looks, it, it holds up really well here. And the thing is, they didn't have to do this. They no. could have just kept it as Arnold Schwarzenegger to the end. Right. That would have been a lot easier and cheaper. Or they could have used, like, a... I mean, this is the dummy scene right here, which looks great because it's real. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you teased robots, so you got to show the robot. But, I mean, in terms of, like, having a stop-motion scene versus scenes like this where you don't need to show every part of it. But, no, they wanted to show characters and the Terminator in the same scene with one rushing at it, and they did that. You know, one thing we never got other than, like, I think comic or in a video game was, because we always had, you know, it was always all Freddy versus Jason, Alien versus Predator, and it was Terminator versus versus RoboCop, or uh, RoboCop versus Terminator. Lots of video games and comics, yes. It's like, oh, they're both robots, I gotta fight. I feel like Verhoeven would have been down for it. One's a man that became a robot. The other's a robot that looks like a man. That said, given given the given you know every every studio has had Terminator at this point, I'm surprised that it hasn't happened. Really, (laughs) I'm pretty sure the Terminator would kill RoboCop pretty quickly. Yeah, easily. RoboCop (laughs) RoboCop has too many emotions. Well, also it doesn't. You know, he can shoot people, but that's about it. That's yeah. RoboCop yeah. gets fucked up in every movie he's yeah, in. He gets yeah, <laughs> yeah. destroyed quite easily by like random police force guys and 
I, I mean, um, Red Foreman like drops car garbage on him in the first movie and nearly kills him. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> uh, X misses Brian De Palma, just like says three words to him, and suddenly he's like all messed up again. Like there's like it's, yeah. there's, it's pretty easy to stop RoboCop. Right. Yeah, this warehouse is just a cool thing, the way he shoots it. And then he'll do it again, but it'll be more open in the next one. Yeah. It'll be more scale, epic looking. Lava! <laughs> and, you know, it, he uses the, 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 the claustrophobia to his advantage. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Low angles, characters can't walk. <laughs> There's no weapons involved. He does every, every little thing here counts. There it is. And it's sad. <laughs> I, the yeah. And it's, I, I, I'm curious what audience was kind of expecting at this point in this movie of like, you know, 80, 84 audiences, or, you know, just people that are fresh on it. Cause it's like, Oh, they're going to get out of this. All right. Well, there I was an alternate and they didn't, the studio have him shoot or write up that he was, uh, uh, an ending with Kyle Reese living. I will take your word on that. Um, but no, I imagine this would have been pretty shocking in you know 1984. And again, that's something that I wish I could have you know somehow magically gone in blind because you know I saw Terminator 2 first, so I knew that you know Michael Bean did not make it out of this one. And was his scene in the second one cut? It was cut because James okay. Cameron. You know, said, I don't want people to have to see the first one to understand this film. Yeah. yeah. And mm, I, whatever. That's, that's. Remember when sequels were like that? Where they're like, yeah. hey, we want to make sure this is, you know, you don't have to do home. We don't want audiences to have to feel they have to do homework. Um, it makes, I, I mean, even, I mean, it, yeah, dra- it, it also drags the movie down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Long film. I mean, yeah. It is. And there, I mean, there's the, you can watch that cut of it where it has a lot more of Sarah Connor being, you know, molested in the mental institution as well as having daydreams about Michael Bean which is cool. it's just cool to see him in the movie I mean but but yeah it uh it just stretch out that movie and makes it I think the theatrical cut of T2 is is pretty perfect I mean, honestly yeah, yeah. and most of a lot of the times theatrical cut I think I think Cameron's uh, theatrical cut of Aliens is better the the uh so the Gatling gun sequence is pretty cool but like the the whole opening kind of demystifies it's a mist. Well, I, yeah, in terms of showing LV one four twenty five or whatever. Yeah, I like it. I like it being a ghost town, wondering what happened. Or yeah, that what stuff. But like. I do, I do like the the Ellen Ripley character stuff going on there. And yes, yes, yes. That her daughters died. Yes. And like just all that. Yeah, that because it, it, it gives her edge, which and makes me. I mean, she got an Academy Award nomination for the theatrical cut, which is you know surprising right there. But you really see how much she's giving to that performance in that extended cut. Right. Here we go with the line. By the way, <laughs> you're terminated. Crush, cool, electricity doesn't phase Sarah Connor, or whatever, or whatever that is. Huh? That's a way to do it, by the way. Crush your villain. That's a hell of a way to go. Pretty much the only thing that would work. Too bad no one told her. You know, you should probably get rid of the uh, the uh, the arm. Take it with you as a super. <laughs>
would have just moved and got if it wanted to go for like a carry route it would have moved and grabbed uh, 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 yes <laughs> it would have and then she'd have, wake up would have had the ultimate <laughs> death kneel no sequel okay <laughs> <laughs> And honestly, I appreciate that because again, you, if you hadn't had that, especially today in today's world, you'd have oh, he's still alive. He'll be back to the sequel. Um, and God, they chopped Dark Maul in half, and people still thought he was coming back, and he eventually did. For did. God's sakes, <laughs> uh, Obi Wan left me for dead. He didn't leave you for dead. He chopped you in half and threw you in a pit. He didn't really throw you. He just kind of he did he did his duty, and then you fell. Yeah. <laughs> You guys weren't on the same side, okay? Yeah, you were trying to kill him. You killed the <laughs> master. <laughs> How do you know his name? Did you like in look him fairness, up on Facebook? In all fa fairness, when you fell down, you left Qui Gon for dead. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and this, oh. I mean, this was only planned to be a movie, right? This is as self-contained as it needs to be. Yes. Well, I mean, no, again, there is the kind of the scene where it reveals that it's Cyberdyne Systems where this whole thing took place. And that, and he cut it because of the the idea that it's. He says it in his commentary. He cut it because he didn't want to lean too heavily on the idea of 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 where things could go in the next film, were there to be one, I guess. So, but yes, it is it's self contained to an extent. But I'd imagine somewhere to something like Lucas, the ideas were there, just not necessarily a certainty. Yeah, you leave it. I mean, it's its own movie with like a lot of possibility at the end of it. What if this was just one movie? It's like, why did this never get a sequel? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's self like like the the first Matrix. It's it's self contained. There's you know there is hey there's room for sequels here and more stories, but there's also you know if not there's still the realm of you know multiple possibilities going through a viewer's head leaving it. Same like, with Star Wars to an extent. The first Star Wars, yeah, the first I mean, Star Wars has Darth, a ton. I mean, you Darth, can go anywhere. Darth Vader gets away and is like, "I'll get you next time, gadget." But I mean, after that, it's... <laughs> even the first Pirates of the Caribbean is a completely self contained movie. Every yeah. James Bond. Everybody lives happily ever after. <laughs> you know what else is... Casino you know, Royale leaves a tag. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Casino Royale has a tag. Um, Honor Majesty's Secret Service has a little bit. I like the banter between her and the little next yeah. boy. <laughs> Pretty neat scam kid. Hey, is that Abe? What? <laughs> <laughs> so, just in time, Abe. We were at the last um, scene of the movie. Come with me if you want to live. <laughs> There's no she, fate, but with the fate we make for ourselves. He, he's just, she's the little Mexican boy's just taking the picture of Sarah Connor, and and the, uh, she pays for it. And she's going to drive off because the storms are brewing. Couldn't be more ominous than that, except for you know two more movies. Bum, 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 bum. Something I do. I mean, the score kicks in again, and it's great. But um, Abe's already gone. We already lost him. But um, <laughs> yeah. it's not that picture's a nice little twist ending, twist to the end. Like. what well, it does i mean it's a way to contain the story i would say it, yeah it, it um it gives it's reassurance it, it, to her it, that it's gonna have everything's going it gives the credence to the time travel <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it allows that everything that every almost every story element that we've heard about happens through the course of this film it's a good map painting you know there are no loose ends for all intents and purposes we lost Dave. He's gone. <laughs> Acknowledgement to the works of Harlan Ellison. He's been terminated. Yeah, because <laughs> it, that guy sued. He wrote a bunch yeah, of Outer Limits sue, episodes, yeah. and he and he felt Cameron ripped him off. Betsy Magruder. 
If I recall correctly, Harlan Ellison liked suing people back in the day. But perhaps I'm reading that wrong. Here's a fun thing that I always enjoyed reading when I read the Terminator Salvation Review. Sorry, the Terminator We Don't Speak of Review. Um, I See, I, I've, I've seen the Siskel and Ebert review of the Terminator. So they saw that movie. One of his paragraphs of Terminator Salvation starts begins with, The first Terminator movie, I regret, I suppose, I did not see. Terminator 2 Judgment Day was a fairly terrific movie. He, he, basically, he, said, he basically either forgot that he saw the first Terminator movie, or for some reason he lied back in 1984 about seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he never wrote a print review of it. He never, yeah, there's no print review of the first Terminator, but there is, yeah. a, there is a review between the two of them discussing yeah. the first Terminator films. <laughs> well, then, I mean, well... We Scott, we when we went and saw Wanted, didn't we, like Leonard Maltin was sitting like a row in front of us, and he left like halfway through the movie, but had a review up the next day. I see Leonard Maltin all the time now. Yeah, he passed I, by I, us I yesterday. Don't talk to him or anything, but yeah. But I remember we oh. saw Wanted. He left yeah. like midway through the film, never came back. And then had <laughs> I remember up. that. He had a review up the next day. I was like, <laughs> dude, you didn't even know what happened. <laughs> but it, you know, it's a positive. All he's saying is like great i didn't even need to see the whole thing i'm just saying right now go see it like i'm sure that's what the review reads right the first two acts are awesome and no spoilers about the rest wanted leonard (laughs) malton let's let's read this review here comes malton's movie guide i can't find this wanted was it 2009 that movie 2008 2008 one of the same weekend as wally Abe, you back? No, he just hung up. Nope. Abe? Wanted. No, his movie guide is not very... Uh... Oh, here we go. Here, here's here's Leonard Maltin's movie review for uh, for want from his from his movie guide. Which Mexican is like boy is played by two different people. He <laughs> crushed it. Oh, Bill Paxton was the punk leader. Yeah, yes. he was the leader. He had the most hair. Oh. Nebishi office drone McAvoy is suddenly and dramatically recruited to join a secret society of assassins led by Freeman after his father, who was part of the team, is killed. Fanboyant, in-your-face action filled with innovative visual flourishes from Russian director Bekmembetov in his Hollywood debut. Ace-high action thriller never runs out of steam. Where's the star? Three stars. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I could get a lot more Which done. Which is if I more could write than the acts like of the film he sat through. More than what? Oh yes. Which is, which is more than the acts he sat through. <laughs> Abe, you there? I think so. That. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> We're almost at the end. We have thirty seconds left. I think in the thirty crazy. seconds. Pop Got it. Triangles. Fast forwarding to thirty triangles, seconds. Triangles, the precursor to two chains. Nineteen eighty four. <laughs> Is she sitting with a dog yet? No, we're at the we're at the end of the credits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh all lights are reserved. Persons in this film are fictitious. Terminators or otherwise. <laughs> oh, Ryan, they had a good run. Michael Bean. They're, Bean in they're the back rock. though. They they're did. Back. Oh, are they back? Michael Bean was in the Rock. Michael Bay connection just makes. Yes, he was. So yeah, that was our Terminator commentary. Thanks, Abe, for his you know generous information spill that he was giving. Absolutely, us I was sitting back and enjoying some popcorn while listening to you guys. Yeah, that's that's how it happened. It's so but, many uh, facts, Abe. It was ridiculous. Yeah, Bob is big boy. Yeah, <laughs> Abe, what what are you are you a fan of the first Terminator? Before we wrap up, I was uh, I was really scared of it when I was a kid because of uh, the surgery that he performs on himself in the eye, the claymation stuff. 
Um, and it's really dark. So I, I was uh, I never really revisited it until I was much older. And I was like, this is a pretty solid movie. I can say that I was afraid of the first, the second Terminator film because of nuclear war. I, that terrified me. I was afraid of that too. The idea of a nuclear bomb going off <laughs> in, in 1997. That, in a I was city like, that I... I'm fairly close to because I'm, you know, I'm outside of LA. That's scary. <laughs> it was like that in the, yeah, and, 24 was always a little bit more intense after I moved to LA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, all right. With all that said. Thanks for anyone that's you know tuned into this commentary listen the whole way through, especially if you watch the movie with us, because I'm always curious how these things line up. Um, but with that in mind, uh, Brandon Peters, where can people find more of your work? You can find my work at whysoblue.com, and you can also find it at <clears throat> Naptown Nerd, which is naptownnerd.blogspot.com. Guess what? I write about movies. Um, and I have Twitter, which is at BT Peters. Scott Mendelson. Uh, I am at Forbes, Forbes.com. My blog is called The Ticket Booth. I can be found on Twitter at, at Scott Mendelson. The Ticket Booth is also a Facebook page if you feel like hunting that one down. You can find more of my work at thecodazeek.com. That's where I find all my written movie reviews as well as at whysoblue.com for Blu-ray and movie reviews. Also, I write TV reviews at theyoungfolks.com, and I am on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Calm down, Scott. Jeez, let us finish. He's excited. <laughs> He's is, writing his next this? review on a typewriter. <laughs> More or less. Um, you can find all the other regular episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe over on iTunes, hhwld.com, Podomatic, SoundCloud, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. You can anywhere. email us. Yeah, you can email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, out now, slash outnowpodcast and outnow underscore podcast for Twitter. Um, you know, you can you can you know where to find our stuff. Google um, machine, yeah, the Google machine for out now, Aaron and Abe. Um, currently in the what's hot section on iTunes, I should mention. I like saying that. Um, but yeah, uh, Brandon Scott, thank you for uh, thanks, guys joining me to discuss Terminator. And Abe, thanks for rushing home and uh, <laughs> joining us for this pivotal <laughs> moment in the Terminator franchise. And um, thank you. You're very welcome. We will have we will have a follow up commentary to this one when we do Terminator Three in probably a few months' time, which I'm excited Woo! for because again I like watching yes, that movie and it was, yeah. it's an interesting one to talk about that is for sure. Um, but yeah, our, we'll have a regular episode soon enough as well. But until next time, that's gonna do it. So so long and goodbye.